gentlemen, this is VM Evolution Podcast, and this is your main event of the evening. With the 60-minute time limit, the man in charge of this episode is your host, Nick Muscat. Only a short period of time in being a professional wrestler, he has wowed us all. He is a former RCW Canadian heavyweight champion and the current reigning defending New Hart Memorial Champion. He's got to be a badass if you have to, if you represent Stu Hart. The one and only Sweet Daddy Soul. How are you doing today, sir? I'm a daddy and I got soul. You got that right, baby. <laughs> doing great, man. Doing great. Thank you very much for having me on your show. So how did you come up with your Sweet Daddy Soul? Um, I got a little girl. Uh, her name's Marissa, uh, my pride and joy, my only child. Uh, she's now 12 years old, but when I started wrestling, uh, uh, she was about five, um, training. And I take a hiatus from... Some football injuries. Um, so I had some short surgery done. It's Jeremy Joseph. And um, so when I went for the surgery and took that hiatus, um, you know, my daughter had become such a, a major part of my life because I had started raising her uh, on my own from the time that she was uh, five and a half until she was 10. So uh, I had a lot of experiences with my kid just as a singer, but she really enjoyed watching me wrestle. And one of the things Things that uh, she would say all the time is, you're my sweet dad. Hiatus uh, for my surgery. And uh, soul has always been a word that's meant a lot to me because I grew up as a sleepwalker. And I had a really uh, crazy uh, experience as a kid just dealing with out-of-body experiences. So the word soul always kind of stuck to me because I understood that is the essence outside of the body or the essence that operates. the body and um you know my daughter comes in i remember it's about a four or five hour ceremony this is why i was on my hiatus from wrestling and uh, i came out it, uh, it paid homage to my daughter and the relationship i have with her and um it paid homage to some things i had grown up dealing with as a kid and uh basically Uh, on Sweet Daddy's Soul from the Muddy Waters Rome. It's uh, the Cree uh, name for Winnipeg and Manitoba is the Muddy Waters of the Great Spirit. So, Sweet Daddy's Soul. You are, for the, uh, you are from Canada, aren't you? Yes, sir. I'm uh, from Winnipeg. Born and what raised. Like, what do you like better, Canada or the States? You know what? I find there to be a lot of similarities between the two. I'd probably say neither. <laughs> you know, it's just a little different, you know, being being somebody who lives in Mexico City now and kind of like, you know, seeing the countries for what they are. Like, they're very similar. You know, Canada and America, I mean, they might have two different names, but wow, the similarities and stuff are just, you know, they're right there every day, 
you know, whether you're in Canada or America, you can, you feel like you're in the same country, at least for me, I do. Um, unless I'm in a place like Las Vegas, then I'm like, okay, I'm not Ken. Canada anymore <laughs> but um you know I, I i would say i'm a Aubrey's football fan i love my baseball team the winnipeg gold eyes i'm i'm a winnipeg big boy always will be 204 for life so tell me about your first match like how did you feel when their name was called you're going through the curtain tell us about that experience So, uh, my first match, my first match, you know, um, it, it was, it was, I mean, when most guys start their wrestling career, I think, you know, it's like, you know, you kind of get the hand, the handshake and a hot dog kind of thing. Hey, thanks for coming out, blah, blah, blah. But it was awesome because the promoter gave me the opportunity to sell tickets and he let me keep every dollar. So, my first match, I made like 290 bucks <laughs> and uh, I could walk out and it's, it's all my friends and they're just cheering for me. And I remember I wore my football. Ball jersey uh, when I played professional off um, and giving it to one of my friends to wear as It's like kind of like a passage of like, okay, I do now. So it was really cool for me to have that experience. And it's funny because everybody's like, you know, yeah, your first match can be pretty bad. <laughs> Back after and the guy that I worked with took really good care. Jeremy, Adam Knight, um, he's a local Jeremy. And uh, I just remember um, the feeling. and the rush that I got it felt like I, and that really like resonated with me like you know I really enjoy making people create or you know generating emotion shit out of people is something I just I felt like I had an act being leader of a team I feel like like you know you always got to bring your boys up when the crowd is down and they're not really saying too much, um, it's, it's, it's your opportunity to kind of show them what you made of. Okay. Give them a reason to want to believe, you know, in the experience. So, so what, what, name all the countries you've wrestled in. So, um, I live in Mexico City. I wrestle for IWRG in Mexico City. I also work for a bunch of different indie promotions as well, but IWRG, I'm on uh, television weekly. Monday nights, 9.30 p.m., total play. That's in Mexico. Um, so I've kind of made my niche there now, uh, but I've wrestled in Puerto Rico. I've held a tag team championship with Australian suicide of AAA in Puerto Rico. 
uh, Russell, United States. Or... We're in the match. We're in the ring. You see kids yeah. like watching you. Amazement of what you can do. How's that feel? Yeah, it's a, it's a day every time. I mean, I was that. That little kid at one point, you know, and I'm up there. But, uh, man, it, it, that's probably the best part of what I do, you know, is just, uh, you know, being there for the kids. You know, you never know what kind of a background the kid's uh, coming from or what he's dealing with. But we all got obstacles and challenges in our life. And if I could be just a shining light for some of these young young people out there, then, you know, I hope that that can help them just build their own confidence and, you know, take them to whatever – uh, part in their life where they have dreams and goals, you know, and I hope that I can at least help kids with that because my characters, it's very, very kid friendly. You know, uh, I don't swear. Uh, I don't say anything that's derogatory. I'm very sweet. Everything's sweet about what I do. It's not, I'm just, I'm, I'm very different than most wrestlers, you know, and I really, really, really focus on being being there for fans uh that's were no fans i wouldn't be doing what i love to do so um it's a it's a privilege to be able to be a role model for young kids I, that's what i can say so what resources do you use to perfect and grow in your profession um sorry repeat the question like what resources do you use to perfect oh. and grow and perfect your profession? man oh geez that's an excellent question Um, I love movies, you know, I really love movies, 90s cinema. Um, I felt like in the 90s, there were so many good movies with a lot of good context and storyline. Huge fan of movies. So my daughter taught me a lot of stuff when she was just a kid, like just natural reactions to certain things. And I was just like, ooh, oh. And, and that's the kind of stuff that I really, really sink my teeth into because if you watch my wrestling, I'm very expressive. My face is always tellums from. Um, my grandmother, Coco, who would show, you know, like I just. really gravitated to um, certain area, uh, you know, guys like that who just had just the most amazing charisma on camera. Jim Carrey, probably one of my all-time favorites. Cinemas, movies, anything that has to do with melodrama, I'm, I'm into it. Like, if, if, if I'm on the street and I go and see, like, there's some kind of play or some type of band going on, I'll just go and watch just to hear lyrics or the tune and these types of things motivate me and give me 
different types of thoughts that push me to do certain something. I just made up. It's totally every part of my life. That's where Sweet Daddy Soul came from. 100%. I digested as a kid and as a young man, and I reprojected my own words with my own charisma. That's just the way I do it. So give us an insight of your training routine because you write, you walk that top rope like so gracefully. It reminds me of The Undertaker. When it was back in the old days, yes. So like, yeah, I'm walking across the top rope, no big deal. Yep, yeah. you know, and boom. So you have to train for that. Yeah, balance. You know, tech balance, man. I mean, uh, you know, before I went to uh, Mexico, I, I, you know, I still I walked the rope, but like I I couldn't walk like the whole thing. Now I can do that, and uh, that. Yeah. It's a testament to uh, friends of mine like Kamara Vince Sky Day. The guys that have taught me so much in Mexico are the ones that have really helped me become a better athlete, not just a better wrestler, but a better athlete. Athlete to be able to do some of these cool little acrobatic, I call it soul school. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that is great. So have you always been a face or have you ever worked as a heel before? I'll do both, you know, time and place, match, depending, whatever the story is, I can do whatever. I I, I love working heel. I love pissing people off. I, I generate a lot of emotion, again, from things I've went through in my life to do that. And uh, when it comes to being a baby face, uh, a technico, um, yeah, just keep it sweet, man. Everything is still pretty similar. It's just the context and why, what, where, when, and how, and uh, for what reason I do things, you know, is based on my opponent and uh, based on the crowd. So I just, I'll adapt to any environment I'm in, really, you know, um, and that's the one thing. Thing I really love about wrestling is, you know, when you go back, not just as a wrestler, because you're generating a lot of emotion. Yeah, you are. And that emotion that you generate, press that emotion, you see it on camera, you're like, oh, you know, it kind of makes you, it takes you back a little bit, I think, you know, as a performer, you just kind of, oh, this is how I, oh, you know, I didn't realize I did that. Oh, okay, you know. So, and I'm, I'm a big guy on Dicetta, played a little bit in the States, played in Europe, and that was the one thing. I was a film guy, a studied tape, and that's that's definitely the reason why I think I've gotten to the level I've gotten to this quickly in my career is because I genuinely invest. Best my time to get better because I use the same training style. It works. It, it translates very well to wrestling, so... Think of all the best wrestlers of all time. Ric Flair, Stone Cold, The Rock, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Legends. What did they do before they wrestled? They played foot into it. It was like, you know what? I'm going to do this and I'm going to give it everything I got because the guys that you... 
Okay. You got to kind of learn how to take some lumps to get ahead. You know, you're going to take some hits. I hold a lot of my uh, ability to keep pushing forward by having because they, they did a lot for me. So just out of curiosity, how old is your daughter? Twelve years old now. Twelve October first. I'm sorry, I missed that. Uh, twelve years old. Tells you, was she? Does she have the terrible twos like my son is having right now? <laughs> she's crazy, man. <laughs> my daughter is. She she's an athlete, so you know I kind of had to keep my eye on her all the time. Um, but, uh, and I mean, she's still an athlete. I had her in gymnastics when I had her full-time gymnastics, swimming, dancing, soccer. I just had her doing everything, you know, and I took her to everything that she did. And I, and I relished in that opportunity to be a dad. And, um, you know, just watching your kids grow, it teaches you a lot about yourself. I think I've learned more from raising my daughter than I did in any other experience in my entire life. Raising our kids, I mean, what, no matter what age it's at, it, it teaches you so much about being humble and, and uh, having patience. And uh, those, those are the, the core values um, that you need to just succeed in life. I think everybody should have kids, you know, <laughs> it's really good for you, but it's also a very tough job and it's not for everybody, but uh, I'm lucky to, to say that I have a beautiful 12 year old daughter, very smart, very intelligent, very athletic and very kind, very sweet. So being so wrestling in so many countries, what's the medical situation back there mostly? Is it good? Do they take care of you, or do they just like give you an Uber and say go to the hospital? Well, um, I would say you know Mexico's pretty good. A lot of people think it's pretty like third worldy and like you know you can't go to the doctor there. Every doctor I've met in Mexico has been just a sweetheart of a person. Uh, that's the nice thing about Mexico is. Everybody will take care of you. If you're hurt, man, expect the entire locker room to be there for you because that's just the way they are. It's the nature of their culture. It's the nature of them as human beings, the way things work down in Mexico. Probably the reason why I love living there is because I'm not the most easygoing guy all the time. Like I got my ups and my downs, but these people really help me find neutral no matter what the situation is. And that's one thing I could say about the doctors as well is they just, they care. They care. They want to see. They want you to be okay, and you can genuinely feel that from them when you speak to them. If anybody gets hurt, you go straight to the hospital. Ambulance is there. They're taking care of you. I've witnessed that situation. They come quicker than they do in Canada. I'll say that right now. They get there fast. And uh, I watched one of my friends, Commander, get injured recently, and uh, ambulance was there within 20 minutes. Oh, that's that is tough. 20 minutes is not bad. No, they're very, very hospitable uh, culture. Uh, Puerto Rico, uh, it's, the, it's the same. But I mean, when you're dealing with the States, you know, you're going to pay an arm and a leg just to get in the hospital. So a little bit different in those areas. You got to have insurance. But Mexico, good place. So since you're from Canada, do you have a favorite hockey team? Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg Those Jets. Boys. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Jets fan. Always will be. Die hard. 100%. When I was a kid. We lost the Winnipeg Jets when I was six years old. They became the Phoenix Coyotes. We now have a hockey team for about 13, 14 years. And I remember 2011, they announced the Jets were coming back because they had bought the Atlanta Thrashers and we're moving them to, to Winnipeg. And 
uh, I kid you not, when uh, the uh, Mark Chipman uh, went up to the podium at the NHL draft, they didn't know what the team name yet was. And remember, we would like to announce our first pick on behalf of the Winnipeg Jets. And I just tears. I, I get emotional thinking about it because as a kid, this is my team. The yeah. Jets, that's my team. I was, I, was, I was everybody that's from Winnipeg. Like, that's your fucking team. Sparked by French, but like, yeah, I don't know how to describe it any other way. I know there's a lot of sports teams out there in the world, but like, when you're from Winnipeg and you go to a hockey game in Winnipeg, there's nothing like it. It is the loudest, ruckus building. I remember watching Timu Solani come back uh, to play us when he was with the Anaheim Ducks. This is the kind of fans we are in Winnipeg. This guy comes back, and we love Timu. He did so much for us in his early on in his career. Whenever he touched the puck, we cheered. Whenever he passed it, we booed. If he got a point in that game, we cheered for him. We booed everybody else on his team. <laughs> I'm not kidding. The whole building. The whole building. Timu. Timu. The whole game. Timu chance. Because you know what? We don't care if he's playing for the Ducks. He's our guy. And that's the cool thing about being a Winnipegger is we are so, so passionate about our sports teams. I, I'm not speaking for just myself. I'm talking about every Winnipegger, man. We, we, if you're from Winnipeg and, and you love hockey, you're a Jets fan, period. I could walk and in, walk into a store here in Calgary and I could be wearing a Jets hat. There's a Jets fan. He's going to come up to me and be like, brother, Jets, baby, let's go. Like, don't matter where I am, there's Jets fans everywhere. And the cool thing about uh, being from Winnipeg and being a Jets fan and all that stuff is, you know, we, we could be having the worst day ever in our lives when the Jets come on, it doesn't matter because the Jets are playing hockey. That's where our attention goes. And I, I feel like that's like that for every Winnipegger. There's just so much passion and love for our team. Um, and we lost them for so many years. So the love and the passion has grown even more. And you ask any NHL player, what's one of the funnest buildings to play in? They will tell you Winnipeg MTS Center, bar none, because the crowd is insane. See, you're that's, lucky. That's you're lucky the Jets came back. My Hartford yeah. Warriors, they left for Carolina. Oh, and it's like... No. Hartford, I missed them. Gordy yeah, Howe, baby. I'm, I'm just like waiting. I was like, yep. So when I was in high school, senior in high school, I was going to so many Hartford games. I mean, the scalper I was going through, we became friends. Oh, man. <laughs> but those are the good old days. Yes. Oh, you hurt your hand. There you go. So, what do you think the uh, professional wrestling can do to generate more fans? Um, you know, I think uh, promotion is super important. Uh, I feel like that's something that most wrestling promotions have lacked. A lot of independents have lacked that. But you know, it's nice to see we got companies out there like NWA is fully rebooted, doing really cool things. Take pages out of their books, you know, like. Look at all the big boys and what they're doing and try to take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that um, when it comes to promotional value on top. But I think something that could really help wrestling is just doing a little bit more active things in the community. I feel like professional wrestling doesn't do enough for the community, especially WWE. You know, they go and they, they, they announce all these things, but where's all the behind the scenes, like going out to the communities and helping like the NFL does or like the NBA does like, 
you know, that's one thing I think I'm a little bit disappointed in when it comes to wrestling is like our, our fans are lifeblood. The kids are the reason why we do what we do at the end of the day. The kids are, you know, they grow up, they get older, they become wrestlers if they love it. You know what I mean? Um, I was one of them. And I think the best thing they could do is just shed like a really positive light on the business. Um, I think things like that TV show that came out, Heels, excellent, excellent way to help the business kind of get a little bit more of an understanding. The more people understand what it's really about, the more people are going to want to come out and watch. And I know the one thing that's super important for me is if you can find someone who's never been to a wrestling show, get them there. Because I guarantee you, if you're a good enough worker and you believe what you can do, you can make a fan out of anybody. And that is the true gift out of being a, a, a not, not just a, a pro or a wrestler. It, it, you're an artist. You're, you're creating and generating emotion just as much as you're creating and generating a picture out of thought and creativity. You're just putting that into real life. You're, you're throwing that on a camera and you're expressing. And, and that's what we do. That's a, the purest form of us as human beings is our expression. So I think the more that we express, the more that we share, the more that we give people the opportunity to understand what we do, the more the business is just going to grow. And I mean, it's at a great place right now, obviously. I mean, like, it's basically gone back to the territory days. People would rather go watch indie shows than watch WWE now. So, and that's really cool. It's great for guys like me because I love working on the indies. I don't, I've worked in some bigger companies where it's not necessarily independent, but like, I love that visceral interaction with a crowd that's like five feet away from me. I, I just, that's what I love to do. I don't know if I'm a TV guy. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I don't know. Like I've done the TV stuff, but like the, my favorite thing is just the visceral part of just the interaction with the crowd is that's the best part of what we do. It's to me. And I know some people will look at, you know, my show and be like, Oh, the, you know, I got my son jumping in and my daughter's napping right now. And sometimes she, but it's like, I, the show, the show is meant for them because you have like guys like sweet daddy soul. When my son's old enough and understands wrestling more and watches on TV, by that time, Sweet Daddy Soul is going to be on AEW. So it's like, <laughs> fingers crossed, right? <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, of course. I'm going to because I'm sick and tired of people saying like it's either AEW or WWE. You got to pick one. Well, what if I'm just like like politics? What if I'm independent? Yeah. I like the independent leagues. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. I'm all about the independent leagues. They're more fun, I think. Also, get more bang for your buck. Hey, it's it's more visceral. You know, you you don't got to worry about the guys, you know, perhaps uh, cutting things out because they don't have a choice. You know, Mm -hmm. you only got this block of time, better under than over. If you're under, you get a replay. That's what I've been taught. And uh, that's the part of... um, It's the part of uh, doing live shows in front of crowds where the TV part of it can really kind of like make it not so realistic because as a wrestler as an artist as a pro i want to go out there and be able to work based off the audience's emotions and when you're doing a television taping you can't really do that you know you got to go and do what you're told and keep your time tight and hopefully you can get a replay your finish or a sequence to the finish and you know you go home in the story look what wwe had going on for years uh john cena um, and people felt like that was getting shoved down their throat. Yeah, maybe it was, but like, who did it really benefit? The kids. And like, yeah, Cena got booed a lot, so that didn't really like, you know, wasn't the best thing 
for Vince McMahon's emotional standpoint, I don't think, because he's like, what the hell? <laughs> Why are they booing my baby face? <laughs> and, you know, that was a weird thing. The Cena era was a very different time in wrestling, but teaches us a lot about audiences and the way people feel about things. And um, you can't just spoon feed somebody this, this, and this. It's like making a movie and trying to do three remakes. To me, I could even associate it with, like, that Justice League movie. And then they come out with a Snyder cut later, way better than the movie they actually came out with. And it's like, but that was made for realistic believability and for the people to actually sink their teeth in. The guy that went and did the whole remake, it was like, eh, like a watered down version of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes I feel like as a wrestler, you know, if you got to do a TV thing, it's got to be this, this, and this. Well, maybe that audience doesn't like you. Wouldn't you want to switch it up? You know, so... Um, there's little things I think that come into play, but that's the part of the business that's really beautiful is, you know, the opportunity to understand and learn from all these situations. And uh, that's, I think that's what helps guys become more well-rounded performers because sometimes you're going to do things you just don't think you should do because maybe it doesn't make sense, but you can always look back on it and take something from it, some kind of lesson. So your matches, you know, you're so graceful with your high fine and walking across the ropes is there any move or stipulation you won't do because of safety reasons? Uh, so I'm not very big on fighting women. Not a big fan. Don't like that. Um, and the reason why is because I grew up, you know, watching China. China was a believable tough chick that looked legitimate. Like I believed when she was the intercontinental champion because she looked like she could beat up the guys. Now, I've been put in situations in Mexico uh, where I had to overcome that because they like the girls to fight the guys sometimes, but I'm a lot bigger than the women there. So I don't want to hit one. I don't want to slap one. I'll let them do things to me, but I keep my stuff pretty sweet. You know, like, I don't, uh, I got a girl, I got a little girl and um, I watched my mom kind of go through some things growing up that uh, I would never want to see anyone go through. And, I just, uh, I don't want kids seeing me fighting women. Absolutely not. Um, I just, I'm not saying that it's like, you can't have women in a wrestling match. I'm not saying that intergender wrestling's bad. I'm just saying for my character and for my personal, um, you know, feelings on that, I would rather not wrestle a woman unless she is believably close to my size and has a good body where I'm like, okay, yeah, I should probably kick my ass. <laughs> okay. Then, but like, I remember I was in Mexico recently and I had a match and I told the promoter, I said, listen, you got me in a match with a girl, but there's no girl on my team. I said, who's supposed to fight her? Cause like, I'm not, I'm not keen on doing those type types of things. Like, that's just not what I do. And I'm like, she's five foot nothing. And I'm not saying like, she's not in good shape, but like definitely not in, in the kind of shape that I would like, believe her to be able to beat me up you know what I mean and I'm like I said to the promoter like I can't touch her like you know she can hit me whatever no problem I'll sell for her but like I just I don't know about that you know and I remember after you know I get in the match and whatever blah 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 and she's hit me she's hit me and I'm not really registering a lot like I'm registering but I'm not selling like I would for a guy and she kept hitting me and she a lot of the Mexican wrestlers they like to move really quickly where we like to kind of slow things down, let things digest up here. So she was moving really, really quick. And she just kept hitting me in the chest. I'm like, forget it. So I just went and laid a big fat kiss on her. 
and the crowd went bananas. And I was like, well, I guess that's my, uh, that's my striking move. <laughs> I'll just kiss her. <laughs> so that works, you know, but uh, it's, that would definitely be my answer to the question is I, I don't like fighting women. Not that I don't believe it's not good for wrestling or anything. I just think if you're going to put me in there with a woman, I hope she's about five foot 11, close to my height and her build needs to be at least somewhat vascular. So it's believable if we're in, in a match, but fighting girls that are five feet tall that don't really have the best bodies. Uh, that's, that's a, that's a tough one, you know? No, so I, I understand what you're saying because yeah, wrestling, yeah, it's predetermined. Yeah. But the stunts are absolutely real. Kind of like a show in Vegas, you know, like a circus OA, you know? Yeah. You know, no yeah. one's like, really like getting eaten by a lion or whatever like that, but still supposed to like mentally make you think that uh, wrestling has to be believable. Uh, to a point, yeah, it's like exactly. I, I, was, I was having an argument earlier today about how, you know, I say, like, oh, you know, it has to have some twist of, you have to look at it and be like, it's possible, not just, oh, hell no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like, I, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. So I see, absolutely agree and understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So, what advice would you give yourself, your, the old self when you're about to go in the ring for the first time, what advice would you give yourself that you know today that you didn't know back, back then? Well, I, I would say just, uh, you know, I think this is pretty standard, but, you know, just relax. Remember, this is supposed to be fun. I think uh, it doesn't matter what you do in life or a job, you know, you better enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, you probably shouldn't do it anymore. Um, I think the best advice that I could give you know, the me that walked out of the curtains the first time is, you know, you're going to go through a lot of things in this business. You're going to, you're going to deal with a lot of ups and downs, but it's, it's not necessarily about the ups and downs. It's about finding neutral every time you go through something and finding the lessons on either side of the spectrum. Never becoming complacent is also about never forgetting what you're doing and how you get better. The only way to get better at anything in life is to study, is to practice, and to hone your craft. That goes for wrestling, hockey, football, being a lawyer, being a doctor. It doesn't matter. You know, we all go through things in life where we can learn something from our experiences. And uh, I think one of the biggest things I learned um, in wrestling um, in my career so far is just to uh, take everything with a grain of salt. Um, understand that not every match is going to be your best match, but every time you go out there and come back through that curtain and you are healthy and you're not hurt, that's a win. It's an opportunity to go and look at what you did and try to improve it and try to be better at it because the margin for error in wrestling is so close. And I never really realized how much the body had to go through to do this sport before I did it. But now that I understand, I see so much uh, growth that's possible for anyone that does this. And um, it's not just the growth in the ring. It's, it's the growth outside of it. It's the growth in life. Um, you know, and I, I think I would just tell uh, the uh, day one version of myself to enjoy it. Don't forget to enjoy it. This is what yeah. you love. This is what you grew up watching. This is what you grew up shedding tears over you know like i still like if i if i find something really great in wrestling a moment something back in the day whatever 
I can genuinely shed tears out of just love for what I'm watching. And I think that, uh, that that's the number one thing I could think I'd give anybody, any day one guy an advice is enjoy what you're doing because you're not going to be able to do it forever. And the day that you can't do this or that anymore, just like I had to stop playing football, you know, you're going to miss it. But like, don't forget to enjoy the experience you had. And um, I know for me, there's been times where maybe I haven't enjoyed my experience so much, or maybe I've been really frustrated with dealing with this guy or this promoter. And, um, you know, looking back at it now, I'm like, geez, I mean, I'm glad I got upset too, though, because then I got to learn something about myself and why that bothered me. And those are the things that I really relish um, in, in the wrestling business now is like, Every time I get into a situation where I'm, where I'm uncomfortable or I don't like what's going on, I'm like, well, why don't I like it? And then I get to really like dissect my own brain and figure out like, oh, that don't really vibe for me. I don't really feel, feel this is good for me. Okay, next time I'm going to try to make sure I do this, this, and this so I don't feel like that. And the cool thing is that applies for life. <laughs> it's not just wrestling. So there's so many lessons that you can take to either side. And it's, uh, it's beautiful because it's uh, – it, it, it sinks. Everything sinks. Wrestling, life, life, wrestling, it sinks together. Yeah, it's just like with podcasting. They say you have to go follow these rules and everything. I'm just like, well, I know I, I have kids running around, so it's not going to be silent. And yeah, I might have to run over and grab them from trying to dissect a dog or something. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but still, it's like amazing athletes like you, yourself. You know, you're still coming on. I'm still talking to you. So I'm looking at the glass half full instead of half empty. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the way to be. Do you think wrestling is more mental or physical? It's a mental, it's a mental game for sure. I don't, uh, not that I'm going to dub down the physical part. Like, obviously you see all these amazing athletes out there. could do all these flips and all this stuff. And But like, what sells emotion? Yeah, right. you can do all the flips in the world, but if you can't sell someone on that face, probably only going to get this high. If you got the athleticism and you got the brains, there, there's there's no ceiling for your potential. Uh, I know this because of what I've seen out of the guys that I appreciate and admire, even at this point in my career. There's guys that are, you know, a lot further on than me, obviously. There's guys like Bandito. He's a guy that I really look up to because this is a guy that really grinded. Doesn't have a huge family lineage in wrestling or anything like that. He's first generation. He's got his brother doing it now. And his brother's like one of my friends. He's really good. And he's only been training for like a year and a half, but under his brother's tutelage. And guys like Bandito are the reason why I get hungrier and hungrier because I get to see firsthand up close what it's like to do what you got to do to get to where you want to be. And that guy is one of the most humblest people I've ever met. One of the best hearts I've ever seen. And uh, boy, it's really nice to walk into Bandito's gym every day in Mexico City and ain't nothing but good vibes and good brothers, man. I can tell you that 100% top to bottom. Good vibes, good brothers, good times, 24-7. So what does the whole future hold for Sweet Daddy Soul? These, I mean, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, it's one of those things where I'm always thinking onward and upward, uh, learning from my experiences, learning from, you know, my mistakes. Um, I think for me, you know, I'm 31 now. I've been doing this for about four years, give or take. And um, I would like to, you know, 
my dream realistically is to have a contract, be able to do this uh, on more of a consistent structured nature. Um, not because I don't like doing the indies and traveling around, but because I would like to have some structure in my life because I haven't really had a lot of it. Um, I've always just kind of been like flying off the seat of my pants kind of thing. And as wrestlers, that's kind of what we do. You know, you just, you do what you got to do until, you know, this, this, this happens, then you, you do what you got to do when you have that. And it's just, it's always a, a constant uh, journey, you know, it never stops. The journey is constantly going. Um, if I could uh, be on television somewhere uh, expressing the character that I have right now in some way, and uh, generating the emotion that I generate just like I do in the indies, but on a grander scale, then I'd be happy. Um, I, I would be happy with that for my career. I don't, I don't need to be in WWE or AW or Ring of Honor. I don't need to be anywhere. I just need to be cool with myself, happy with myself, content with where my health is at, and with the ability to be like, okay, I, I'm still enjoying this. I still want to do this. And um, as long as I can continue to keep that with me as I'm going forward, I think uh, I'm cool with wherever I'm cool with wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing with it. Um, just as long as I feel good, you know. So wherever that may be, I don't know, but uh, I just kind of just always look at it like um, opportunities will come, and when I'm, you know, when they come across me, I'm going to seize the opportunity wherever that opportunity is, wherever it's going to take me, and uh, that's the attitude that I keep with this. Uh, I don't think I'll ever lose that attitude. I just something that stuck with me well when I was a football player. So um, I think that would be the, the best answer for that question. So what's a couple of the next couple of events that you have scheduled? All right. So uh, tomorrow night, I am in Calgary, Alberta, the Acadia Rec Center, South Calgary, uh, my old stomping grounds when I played quarterback for the Calgary Colts uh, Football Association. Um, so I got a big show there at the Acadia Rec Center here in Calgary. Saturday, I got a big show in Chestermere, 15 minutes outside of Calgary. Um, then I fly back to Mexico City on uh, Saturday night. I uh, get there at noon the next day, and I got a show with Ricky Marvin, famous Ricky Marvin, uh, one of my teachers. I got a show for him at uh, Coliseo Cocalco. They call that uh, <coughs> Cocalco Square Garden. Hilariously enough, it does not look like any kind of Madison Square Garden. <laughs> what they call it, Cocalco Square Garden. Um, so I got that and, uh, I'll be back at our IWRG, Nicole Pan, uh, next week or the week after in Mexico. And then I'm off to, uh, Merida, um, in the middle of November, which is, uh, near Cancun. Um, and then I got some, uh, stuff going on with, uh, AAA again, uh, coming up soon. And then, uh, in the new year, uh, I've been in talks with some people at, uh, Conseo Mundial in Arena, Mexico. That's my big dream for Mexico is to get in with CMLL and wrestle with them. So um, lots of big stuff going on. Lots of big plans. A um, lot, lot of flying around. Um, very busy. Very, very, very busy right now. Well, sweet daddy soul, I appreciate your time. I, giving me some of your time and your busy schedule. I'm still you. very jealous you've been to Vegas recently. I will always love Vegas for the rest of my life. My hey, there we go. Nice tattoo, man. So it's great times, great times over there. Yes. But thank you very much for your time. I wish you luck in your future. And thank you. hopefully I'll be seeing you on YouTube and major networks soon. Absolutely, man. Thank you very much. Uh, anybody that's watching your show, if uh, they would like to follow me on social media, it's uh, Sweet Daddy Soul Instagram, Sweet Daddy Soul page on Facebook, 
And uh, if you'd like to add my personal uh, Facebook page, it's Jeremiah Peter Joseph on Facebook. Just be a cool when you talk to you. Uh, can't remember your name all of a sudden. I've just been blank because my son's acting silly right now. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing about life. My podcasting. Sweet day soul. It's, it's, it's lifestyle, the sweet day soul. Always keep on going, never stop until you reach the top. And don't even stop there. You never know where you can go from when you're at the top. The top might even be the bottom. And if you contact what I was about to say, I was about to say before my son started taking off his pants, which is a long story. <laughs> oh, kids. Uh, uh, we're in the potty train stage of things in life oh, now. Terrible twos, man. Terrible, terrible twos. twos. Uh, but if you contact Sweet Day Soul online, be a cool wrestling fan. Don't be a troll or a dick or anything like that. He's a, <laughs> you're a really cool guy and you deserve really cool fans following you. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate that, Vic. Well, you take care of yourself. Be safe out there. And we'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, man. You have a great day. And uh, you and your son, uh, you know, have, have fun with your little uh, pants taken off pajama party. Enjoy it. Because <laughs> you won't be too for much longer. And then you're going to be like, man, I miss those days. He's running around mooning me all the time. <laughs> we, were we were told went to the terrible threes when he's able to say no to you. <laughs> I was like, what there the you, yeah. no, no. I remember my daughter at that age. The no was her favorite word, you know. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much, Vic. Uh, it was a pleasure being on your show. Thank you very much. You take care. You too. Bye-bye now. Yeah.